aboard the story train. Find a comfy seat. We're about to leave the station. And you know what that means. We're going someplace new. If you've never ridden on the story train before, here are a few important things to remember as we roll down the tracks. I'm Birdie, the keeper of the story train. I wear a green baseball cap with a little white birdie on the front and my favorite overalls. I'll blow the train whistle twice right before we leave. Make sure you're in your comfy seat. The story train is a magical train and when we leave, we'll go through the rainbow tunnel. The rainbow tunnel can take us anywhere. We won't know where we're going until we get there. It's a surprise. The story train has a mind of its own. It goes where it wants to, and sometimes we can even ask the story train questions. One whistle for yes, two whistles for no. Let's ask the story train a question. Are we going far, far away from our home in Pflugerville today? One whistle means yes. I wonder where it could be. Here we go. Where will the story train lead us this time? We could find ourselves among the lions in Africa, visiting a castle in England, or floating down a lazy river in a national park. We're entering the rainbow tunnel. Hold on, everyone. It's off to far, far away. The rainbow tunnel isn't very long, and on the other side lies our destination. Here comes the end of the tunnel. Oh my, we've arrived and I know just where we are. There are winding streets and old buildings all around. And one of those little buildings is a bakery. This is Ravello, a tiny town in Italy. And this story is called The Baker and All the Mixed Up Pies. Bakers love to bake. They love to make sweet and tasty treats to eat. Cakes, cupcakes, donuts, pastries, and pies. A lot of times, bakers, when they come into their shop, called a bakery, have a plan of what kind of treats they're going to make and bake for the day. Mr. Baker, the baker our story is about, was one of the best at planning and making and baking. That's why everyone came to his bakery. But of all the days, today was a little different. See, Mr. Baker accidentally forgot his glasses at home. The shop was supposed to open in a little while, so he didn't have time to go back and get them. Mr. Baker was left with no other choice but to try to make do without his glasses, even though that would make it difficult for him to see his recipes. This is going to be hard. I really wish I hadn't left my glasses. Maybe if I squint, I'll be able to see my recipes and everything that I need to bake for today. I'll start with my pies. I think they're the easiest. The first pie Mr. Baker tried to make was his famous apple pie. Everyone loved his apple pie. And so did he. 
it was his grandmother's recipe, passed down to him by her. But just when Mr. Baker was about to start, a friend of his stopped by. Mr. Baker answered the door, and his friend came in. Hello, Mr. Baker. What are you baking today? His good friend Nancy said. Oh, just trying to make my famous apple pie, the one my grandmother used to make. But I left my glasses at home, so it's kind of hard to read the recipe, Mr. Baker answered. Do you want me to help you? I can read the recipe for you, offered Nancy. Mr. Baker hesitated. He had never shared his recipes with anyone. He wasn't sure if he wanted Nancy to know his grandmother's recipe. I think I can handle it, but thank you, responded Mr. Baker. Well, okay, Nancy answered. I hope that it all works out. I really like your apple pies, so maybe I'll stop back later and buy a slice. Mr. Baker smiled. Nancy was a good friend, and he was glad that she liked his apple pie. Most people did. So Nancy left, and Mr. Baker went back to trying to read his grandmother's recipe. But it was hard to read the words without his glasses. He still put in the ingredients, mixed and mixed, whisked and whisked, and then put the pie in the oven. That wasn't so bad, Mr. Baker said out loud to himself. And then the pie was done. But when Mr. Baker tasted the pie, he sneezed. Something wasn't right. He tasted it again. And again, he sneezed. Oh, no, said Mr. Baker out loud. Mr. Baker had read the recipe wrong. He had accidentally added pepper. The apple pie was ruined. No one would eat it now. Mr. Baker had no choice but to throw it away and try again. I don't know how I messed that up. Pepper, the pie made me sneeze, said Mr. Baker. So Mr. Baker tried again. This time, he was determined not to use pepper as an ingredient in his apple pie. Pepper was not a part of the recipe, and it definitely wasn't how his grandmother used to make her apple pie. He was upset at himself for making such a horrible mistake. But then again, he didn't have his glasses. This time, said Mr. Baker, I will be more careful. Once again, Mr. Baker went back to trying to read his grandmother's recipe. But it was still hard to read the words without his glasses. But he still put in the ingredients, mixed and mixed, whisked and whisked, and then put the pie in the oven. All right, I know I got it right that time, Mr. Baker said excitedly. And then the pie was done. Mr. Baker couldn't wait to taste it. He was sure this time around he'd gotten the recipe right. But when Mr. Baker tasted the pie, he frowned. Something still wasn't right. He tasted it again. It was too salty. Oh no, Mr. Baker was dismayed. 
I read the recipe wrong again and added salt. Mr. Baker was so upset with himself. Another pie he had to throw away. All the food that he was wasting. He wondered if he had made a mistake, not letting his good friend Nancy help him. I can do this. I just have to be more careful next time. Even more careful than the last time, said Mr. Baker out loud to himself. And so Mr. Baker tried one more time to get his grandmother's apple pie right. Mr. Baker went back to trying to read his grandmother's recipe, but it was still hard to read the words without his glasses. But still, he put in the ingredients, mixed and mixed, whisked and whisked, and then put the pie in the oven. I know it's perfect this time. This is going to be the most delicious pie I ever baked, exclaimed Mr. Baker. And then the pie was done. Mr. Baker couldn't wait to taste it. He was sure that this time around, he'd gotten the recipe perfect. But when Mr. Baker tasted the pie, he coughed and almost gagged. Something still wasn't right. He tasted it again. He coughed harder. The pie had a musty, herbal taste, way too tangy. He had added garlic. Mr. Baker was so upset with himself. Once again, he'd messed up another pie. This was the third pie that he'd ruined. I wish I had let my good friend Nancy help me, Mr. Baker said aloud to himself. Just then, the door to Mr. Baker's bakery opened and his good friend Nancy strolled in. She was smiling. Oh, Nancy, Mr. Baker said, I should have asked you to help me. I needed your help, but I didn't ask for it. I wish I had let you help me like you volunteered to do. I've ruined three pies. I couldn't read my grandmother's recipe. I put in pepper and messed up the first pie, then salt and messed up the second, and the third one I added garlic and ruined that one too. Nancy continued to smile as she walked over to her good friend, Mr. Baker. She then pulled his glasses out of her pocket and handed it to him. I knew you needed my help, Mr. Baker, so I went and got your glasses that you left at your house. That's what friends are for, Nancy answered. Mr. Baker was so happy. He would now be able to make his grandmother's apple pie the right way. And he had learned a very important lesson. It is always okay to ask for help and to let others help you. Today's slice of apple pie is on the house for Nancy, Mr. Baker said. It's time for us to head back to Pflugerville. Here comes the rainbow tunnel. Come back and see me again. You never know where the story train will take us. I bet it will be someplace warm next time. I hope so. All this ice and snow has given me the shivers. Ooh. If you like stories, search for Go Kid Go wherever you listen, and you'll find lots of adventures. See you next time.
board the story train. Find a comfy seat. We're about to leave the station. And you know what that means. We're going someplace new. Oh boy. One whistle means we're on our way. I wonder where we're going today. Here we go. Where will the story train lead us this time? We're entering the rainbow tunnel. Hold on, everyone. It's off to far, far away. The rainbow tunnel isn't very long, and on the other side lies our destination. Here comes the end of the tunnel. Oh my, we've arrived, and I know just where we are. Underwater. Yeah, I know. It's kind of amazing, huh? But today, we're going down into the deep to check out a very specific sea creature and the game he likes to play. This story is called Hide and Seek. It's pretty cool to be able to blend in sometimes. It helps you feel comfortable, or maybe it makes you feel more connected to another person or surroundings. And sometimes, it can be about protection. Blending in can be a good thing, but then again, it can also be just an okay thing. Let's take a look at the frogfish to get a better idea of what all this means. Frogfish are very interesting sea creatures. They have the ability to camouflage or blend in to their surroundings. They do this for protection against predators, and sometimes they do this to lure in unsuspecting prey for themselves. But in this story, Freddy the Frogfish uses his ability to camouflage a little differently. See, Freddy likes to play games, and one of his favorite games was his very own version of hide-and-seek. Since Freddy was a frogfish, he could hide very well. And most of the time, none of his friends, the other fish, could find him. But the only problem with this was that a lot of times, Freddy was the only one playing. Freddy would camouflage and blend in without telling his friends what he was doing. And then, when everyone was looking for him, he would pop out and surprise them. It was a lot of fun for Freddy, but not so much for everyone else. So that's what Freddy did one morning when the day was just starting. Freddy was supposed to meet up with Carl, his crab friend, and Stella the shellfish. But instead, he decided to play his favorite game, hide and seek, without telling them. Freddy woke up a little earlier and went to the underwater sandbox that they usually play in, and he blended into some algae. Later, when Carl and Stella showed up, he was nowhere to be found. Carl and Stella thought he was late. Freddy waited and waited, and when the time was right, he popped out and scared his friends. While Freddy thought it was funny, and he laughed, his friends, Carl the Crab and Stella the Shellfish, 
didn't. Eventually, they forgave him, like they usually did, and they all went and played. However, the next day, Freddy the Frogfish thought about how much fun it was to scare his friends, and so he decided that he was going to do it again. They had already made plans to meet for lunch at the Squeaky Squid Diner, and there were some really cool rocky structures around there. Freddy knew that he could camouflage and blend in very easy with the rocky structures, so he decided to get there a little bit early before his friends so he could hide and then pop out and scare them. Once again, Carl and Stella showed up, and Freddy was nowhere to be found. Carl and Stella wondered if Freddy was late or if he was going to try to scare them again. But they thought there was no way that Freddy would do that again because he knew how much they didn't like it. And Freddy was their friend. And a friend wouldn't keep doing things that other friends didn't like. But they were wrong. Freddy waited and waited. And when the time was right, he popped out and scared his friends. While Freddy thought it was funny and once again laughed at his friends, Carl the Crab and Stella the Shellfish didn't. This time, they forgave him, but didn't want to play with him that day. So they went home. Freddy didn't understand why they didn't like his hide-and-seek game. It was so fun for him. Why wasn't it fun for them? But despite Freddy knowing that his friends didn't like it when he camouflaged and blended in, hiding from them, only to pop out and scare them, he decided he was going to do it again. After a couple days of his friends being upset with him, he asked them to play again and asked them to meet him near the bed of sponges. Freddy got there early. He knew he could camouflage and blend in very well with the sponges. He would wait for his friends to show up and pop out and scare them. But this time, Carl and Stella didn't show up. Instead, Morris the Moray Eel did. This time, Freddy was scared. Moray eels were bullies, and they didn't like frogfish. Freddy wished he hadn't tried to play hide-and-seek in the sponges. After his friends got upset with him, he should have been a better friend and not tried to play the same trick on them. Now, because of that, he was in danger, and Morris the Moray Eel was going to find him. But Freddy stayed put and stayed quiet and hoped and hoped, and then Morris the Moray Eel eventually left. Freddy was so happy and so thankful. When he came out of hiding, he went to find his friends. They told him that they had decided not to come and play with him because they knew that he was just going to try to scare them again. Freddy told them they were right and what almost happened to him with the moray eel. He promised his friends that he would never play hide-and-seek and scare them again, and that he had learned his lesson. 
as good friends do, they forgave him. And the next time, they all played a new game together. It's time for us to head back to Pflugerville. Here comes the Rainbow Tunnel. Come back and see me again. You never know where the story train will take us. I bet it will be someplace warm next time. I sure hope so. All this ice and snow has given me the shivers. If you like stories, search for Go Kid Go wherever you listen, and you'll find lots of adventures. See you next time. the story train. Find your comfy seat and settle in, because the train is about to leave the station. There's the whistle, and we're on our way. Where will the story train lead us this time? We could be traveling anywhere in the world, and that's very exciting. The Rainbow Tunnel isn't very long, and on the other side lies our destination. Here comes the end of the tunnel. Oh my, we've arrived and I know just where we are. You see all that green? It's a field where kids play soccer. And this field is in a place called Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is in a country called Brazil where soccer is very popular. And it's here on this field of grass where a very important lesson is learned by a boy named Carlos. This story is called, Carlos Takes a Shot. Carlos loved to play soccer. He loved to run up and down the field. While running, he felt active and alive. He'd worked hard to be able to join a team, and his parents, who weren't that rich, had also worked hard to get him on that team. Now that Carlos was on the team and had the opportunity to play the sport of soccer that he loved, he knew that he had to do his best. But there was just one problem. He was afraid of not being good enough. In Carlos's very first practice, he saw how bigger and stronger and faster the other kids were compared to him. And that scared him. That made him doubt. So when the coach split the team up in two groups to practice, Carlos was worried that he wouldn't do well because he wasn't good enough. The practice game was fun. Carlos ran as fast as he could, and at times he outran some of the other players that he thought would be faster. He passed the ball to his teammates, who would call for the ball, even when they weren't open. It seemed to make them happy, so he kept doing it. He didn't want his new teammates to not like him. So he ran and ran, passed and passed, but didn't take a shot on goal himself. They were coming to the end of the practice game, and the score was tied 2-2. to Carlos had the ball. Carlos was dribbling, running fast, dribbling, 
faster and faster. He'd outrun a player on the other practice team. The goal was right in front of him. But so was the goalie, ready to stop him from scoring. Carlos knew that the game was going to end soon, and all he had to do was score. But he didn't. He heard one of his teammates call for the ball, and so he passed it. It was not his best pass, and the ball got stolen. The other practice team ran down the field and scored and won the game. Carlos was upset at himself because he knew that he shouldn't have passed the ball, that he was in a better position to score, but he was afraid of taking the shot because he was afraid of missing. His fear had caused his practice team to lose. Carlos was upset at himself. Not only had he let his team down, but he'd let himself down. He believed that he was capable of taking the shot and making it, scoring a goal, but when it came time for him to actually do it, he'd been afraid. But his teammates were nice to him, and the practice team he was on, they all supported him. Even his coach didn't get on him too much about it. He only asked him why he hadn't taken the shot, and suggested that next time, if he's open, to take the shot. That made Carlos feel a little bit better about himself, that no one was upset at him, not even his coach. But there was still a part of him that was upset at himself. He wondered if he would be able to take the coach's advice and next time take the shot. He certainly hoped that he would. On the next day of practice, after they'd run drills and worked on several plays, the coach once again broke them into teams. He was on the same practice team as before, and once again, it was a close game. The score was one-to-one. And once again, Carlos had the ball. Carlos was dribbling, running fast, dribbling faster and faster. He'd outrun a player on the other practice team. He only had one person to beat, and this player was the best one on the team. Carlos felt himself getting nervous, but he tried to fight past it. He was talking to himself as he was dribbling running fast, dribbling, faster and faster. If he took the shot now, he could make it. Or he could miss it. The best player was coming towards him. If he was going to shoot it, it had to be now. But he didn't. He was afraid. So he tried to dribble past the player instead of taking the shot. The best player stole the ball from him and the other team went down the field and scored. Carlos was devastated. Once again, he'd let his practice team down, and once again, he'd let himself down. Carlos should have taken the shot, but he was afraid that he would miss and that his team would lose because of him. But by not taking the shot, what he was afraid of, losing, happened anyway. He'd failed because he didn't even try. This time, 
Although his teammates were nice to him, and so was his coach, he felt as if he didn't deserve it. Carlos wanted to be a good soccer player, but wondered how he could ever be or do that if he was afraid to take the shot. Later that day, Carlos went home to find his dad working hard to fix some appliance for a neighbor. He noticed that his dad was frustrated. His dad was struggling with the appliance. But his dad wouldn't stop. Carlos went over to his dad and asked him, why didn't he just quit? Carlos's dad looked up at him, and with big eyes and a big smile, he told him that if he didn't do what had to be done, then he wouldn't get paid. And if he didn't get paid, then their family wouldn't eat. Everyone would lose if he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Carlos stared at his dad, proud of him for doing what he had to do for their family. That night, Carlos went to sleep thinking about his dad and their talk and wondered if he could do the same thing for his team. The next practice, the coach had them run drills and they went over their plays. Carlos was hoping that once again, the coach would split them into teams and he was also hoping that he would be put on the same team. Carlos got his wish. For a third time, the game was close. The score was three to three, and Carlos had been playing well. He'd passed when he should have, stolen the ball a couple times, and now, once again, he had the ball. Carlos was dribbling, running fast, dribbling faster and faster. He'd already outrun an opposing practice team player. There was only the goalie to get past. Behind him, he could hear the coach yelling for him to take the shot. But there was also a teammate coming up alongside him. This was his chance. He had a choice. He could take the shot, or he could pass the ball. Carlos knew that it was his shot to take, and that if he passed the ball, it would be the wrong play, and he would only be repeating his mistakes. So this time, because he no longer wanted to fail because he didn't try, and because his dad kept fixing the appliance, because if he didn't, their family wouldn't have food to eat, Carlos decided to take the shot. And you know what? He scored! It's time for us to head back to Pflugerville. Here comes the Rainbow Tunnel. Come back and see me again. You never know where the story train will take us. I bet it will be someplace warm next time. I sure hope so. If you like stories, search for Go Kid Go wherever you listen and you'll find lots of adventures. See you next time.